Thank you for joining me on the call. Thank you for having me. I, re I really appreciate it. It's a gift to be here. He is a cool guy because we got to talking before uh, before we got on. But the greatest thing is, is that um, Ruben Martinez recommended this man to come on and speak about his son because his son at uh, at 13 years old, four years ago, passed away suddenly. And he's here to tell the world how everything turned upside down. You know, welcome, Joe, and go ahead and tell your story. Well, again, you know, thanks for having me. And, and interesting you say, well, Ruben, man, you're the best. Uh, it, uh, but interesting that you say, you know, world turned upside down because it turned upside down so that it could turn right side up. Um, and, and what's really interesting about this whole um, journey ever since our son passed away is we've been able to see how God has been glorified every single step of the way. Uh, there isn't a part of, there isn't a part of the journey where my wife and I felt alone and where we didn't feel God's presence. And just, you know, in brief, in brief what happened. So, uh, you know, the day before Saturday, we had a fantastic day as a family. We went to the mall, we had pizza. He was excited because he found like the most perfect shoes. He was just on the quest. I mean, we, we were looking for shoes for forever and he found them. And so we, we hung out at the mall, we had some pizza and there's an ice skating rink there. And he asked if he could go ice skating. And ironically, no, because you could, you know, hurt yourself and something could happen. And so we didn't ice skate. It wasn't a big deal. We, you know, we, we hung out. It was also fun to him, which all of us, but it was fun to him because at that mall, when you park, you park uh, valet, right? And so it was just kind of fun. So he walked out with his bag, with his new shoes, which was he was wearing, right? And we have a picture of us. Uh, it was the last photo we all took together there at the mall. We, we sat in the front and took a picture together, you know, and at, jumped in the car and went home we go home we you know everyone showers up we're getting ready for bed um at that house where we lived at the time there were security cameras right so we went back later to kind of review the footage and put timestamp on everything and you could see us all just hanging out in the kitchen laughing and telling jokes and we remembered what the jokes were and then it was time to go to bed and he as per usual mom takes him and his older brother to the room tucks them into bed they say prayers and it's time to go to bed and nothing nothing new nothing out of the ordinary uh, the next day of course was sunday church and so before he went to bed here before he went to sleep he asked his older brother or son daniel uh he's 22 now and asked him if tomorrow he would help him pick out a really, really elegant outfit. He liked to dress up nice for church anyway, right? But he would, he wanted to be extra elegant tomorrow. And so Daniel just kind of laughed at him. He was like, well, what's the big deal? Why? He was like, I just want to be the most elegant one there tomorrow. And, and, and a side note to that before we go any further is that whenever we would go to church for probably the, maybe, maybe about six months prior to his, his passing, Every time there was an altar call, right, he'd be the first one to run down to the altar and, and, and take the altar call, right? Which, you know, that's fantastic. After a couple of times, I, you know, talked to him on the way home and, son, what do you feel is is going on during the week that, you know, because the altar call typically was a call to reconciliation and to come to reconcile with God and, and you know, during the week. And so what's going on, son, that you feel that this is what you need? And he just looks, he's like, oh, nothing. Me and God are good. I said, well, so what's going on? He says, listen, dad, he goes, if I don't go up there, no one goes up there. He says, somebody has to be the first one to go up there. 
And he says, so if the other people see that a kid is brave enough to go up there, then they'll go up there. And once he told me that, I started to pay more attention at the services. And he was right. He was absolutely right. And he would, you know, pastor would give the altar call and there's that awkward time when no one really does anything because no one needs to be reconciled, right? And so, and so then he would go. And and he would be the first one there, and you see this little kid, you know, raising his hands at the altar, and inevitably you would see the big burly guys come, and you know, then the other folks come, and then before you knew it, the, the altar was was full of folks seeking reconciliation, right? And so that was his part, that was his why in doing that. So next day he wanted to go dress super elegant at church. It was nothing out of the ordinary, right? Maybe you just want to shine extra extra brightly at, at the altar tomorrow. Uh, the next morning, six thirty three in the morning, his brother. Daniel, he calls out to us, you know, that something was wrong. And we went to their room. And my wife went in there first. And of course, she, you know, she just, just starts to cry and starts to scream. And it was, it was a kind of cry and a scream that before even I made it to the room, I knew. Oh. You just, <laughs> there, there isn't another, there isn't another type of time that a sound comes out of a mother like that. And I knew. And so I walked in the room semi-prepared, I think, for what I was going to find. And sure enough, he was there. and He was face down in his bed. Well, we pulled him off the bed. And I put him on the floor and we started you know, doing CPR and helping him. And, you know, the ambulance came and, and we, we went to the, to the emergency room with him. And it seemed as if though every single doctor, every single nurse, every single professional was in that emergency room there working with him and doing, I mean, I just saw... Short of short of a doctor ripping his shirt open with a big Superman symbol on his chest, I just saw heroics all over of of this frantic desperation to help our son, and it just came to a point where even before they said anything, my wife and I could tell there wasn't really anything else that could be done, and the doctor came shortly and, and confirmed that, and just you know gave all the reasons and explained why there just wasn't anything else, and I think maybe. I think maybe he expected, I think maybe he just didn't expect our reaction because we just looked at him and just said, thank you, God is good. And he just kind of, okay. And so he turned and he said, I'm going to have everybody leave. And if you guys want to, you know, a little bit of time with him, you can. And so that's exactly what happened. Shortly after our, you know, pastor of our church showed up and uh, immediately you go into plan mode. Well, now what? When's the funeral? When, you know, what do you do now? And of course he said, listen, you know, it's, it's, it's a heavy day. You guys stay home and we'll pray for you guys. And, and, you know, let us know if you need anything, of course. Yeah, sure. Fine. After he left, my wife and I felt really, really heavy in our spirit to be there to go. And we knew to go. So we went home really quickly and just changed our pajamas into the first thing we could find and just kind of, haphazardly ran a comb through our hair, right? You know, and we went there and I, I don't remember driving there, but I obviously I know we got there and we immediately, you know, pastor calls us in and, and we, he gave us a place at the podium. We thanked everybody, you know, Hey, you know, guys, I know by now you've heard what's going on and thank you all for your love and your support. And certainly we're going to need you. Right. And there was just kind of this moment where I, I, I didn't really know what to say other than just to tell them all, you know, we just want to share with you all right now that even now, even now, God is good. At that point in time, I think that was the first time in life when I actually, you know, just broke apart, right? It didn't happen so much at the hospital because it was all just kind of sinking in. But it was at that moment of giving God praise 
but even now you're good and and it's and it's good to praise you that that's when we felt it you know mm-hmm. so of course you know we we were surrounded in love and surrounded in support and and we didn't go home and in the drive home it, there was this kind of um it, we were kind of incredulous right at at what we had just said right that, that god is good even now right mm-hmm. because this was this was what is supposed to be the worst day in a parent's life right and and we all say oh it would be the worst day of my life it would be the worst day of my life and here that worst day had arrived and and <laughs> we went home and of course you know now there are the rest of our children you know of course daniel and, and at that time he's, he's uh 17 and then of course there are little ones and the little ones maximilian was three alexander was what one one and a half so they didn't quite understand what was going on we had to there had to be some some normalcy for them at home. And so that's exactly what we did. It wasn't pretending like nothing happened. Obviously, we had to make plans for the funeral now, right? But it was coming home and understanding these children still needed us. Before he he passed away, I was really, 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 uh, let's just say, it, I was just really, really obsessed about like security and locking the doors and the gates and alarms and cameras. And um, I would travel a lot for work. Right. And so I could monitor the cameras and, and the alarms from my phone, no matter where I was. Sadly, I remember one conversation I had with him uh, where I call and ring, ring. Hey, Dad. And the first thing I say is, why didn't you set the alarm? I saw you come in the door and not set the alarm. And so then it becomes the lecture of safety and don't you understand? And, and, you know, people could do this and, and it's a dangerous world, son. And, you know, if my wife all of a sudden, uh, let's say we were home, just, you know, whatever. And, and oh, I, I need to go to the store. No, 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 I'll go. Because if you go, certainly that means something's going to happen. And so I got to go so that, that way I can save your life. So then I went to the store, he came back with the milk, nothing happened. And I saved the day, right? Absurd. Absolutely absurd. And what's interesting is that day that, uh, that our son passed away, the doors were locked, the cameras were armed, the alarms were armed, you know, all the security and safety measures that we put in, the, in, in place were there. And the reality is, is that the entire, the entire army could have been outside of our house with bazookas guarding. It wouldn't have changed the outcome. No. And, and uh, one of the beautiful things of that day was even in the emergency room, I could, I could hear God, I could hear God speaking to me and I could hear even in that moment, the things that he was wanting me to, sh- to see what he was wanting to show me. And, and in that was, is that it was never me, obviously, who was keeping my family safe. It was never the alarms. It was never any of those things. It's God and only God. And even if you have all of the defenses in the world, it doesn't make any difference at all, yeah. you know? And now that doesn't need to be reckless and not lock the door, right? Certainly lock the door. But, it, but, but my safety, my security is not in my lock. It's not in my alarm, right? It's in our God, our creator of the universe, who's shown time and time and time again that, you know, this is the same God who carries us through the desert like a father carries his child, <laughs> you know? So it's like, well, that's bonkers. I, I carry my children. And and there's no way in the world that I would let anything come come their way that's harmful, and so it's it, there was there was this a rebirth, if you want to say, in my 
faith and my love for God in losing my son. And instead of choosing to be angry with God and how come, and, and I don't, it, 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 I, I couldn't feel that because, you know, it's, it's in the, in the same hospital, not the exact same one, but hospital where I saw my children come into this world. And I saw them when the doctor say, hey, here they are. And then it was in a hospital in, in the same type of environment, you know, where you're told that's it. You know, when we left, when we left the hospital, it, it was really surreal to get to the parking lot and load up everyone. It took us a moment to gather the, the, the reality of that he wasn't going to, He's, he's not, we're not waiting for him because he's in the restroom, mm-hmm. right? He, mm-hmm. it's, he's gone, right? Mm-hmm. And and that seat will never be occupied. And and so certainly there were a lot of opportunities to find, to be angry. There were a lot of opportunities there that we could have hung on to, to, to have been resentful to God. But it was quite the opposite, quite, quite the opposite. And, you know, maybe an interesting kind of backstory to this is that, in 2001, January 2001, I had a pulmonary embolism. Totally unexpected. Uh, it wasn't anything that was provoked. I was at work, I was in my office, and just dropped. And um, I'm on life support, you know, for a few days. Uh, and it was the kind of situation where they come tell your family, come say goodbye. My mom and, and uh, everyone from our church went there under the invitation to say goodbye, you know, but they, they prayed. Prayed and prayed and prayed. And so much so to where even, you know, there were complaints about how noisy they were. And for three days, I was just, I was down and they had no detectable brainwave activity. And there was, um, you know, there were already forms being filled out to donate my organs and the plans for funerals were already being prepared. And on that third day, I remember, I, you know, I opened my eyes and I opened my eyes and I saw my family there. And, and I, I remember asking like just with my hands because my, there's a, I was intubated for pencil. And so, and I wrote uh, to my mom, she was there, am I going to die? And she said, no, no, you're awake. You're not going to die. And I wrote, don't lie. And she says, no, no, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. And so doctors start coming in and they start shining lights in my eyes and all that good stuff. And they, you know, take tube out and we all just kind of wait to see if I'm going to breathe. And I start breathing. And the doctor says, you know, you know, is there anything you want to say? And I said, Yes, I want some Fruit Loops and a Coke. And, uh, <laughs> okay. You know, and, uh, yeah, I wanted Fruit Loops and a Coke, and and you know, and the thing about that was is that you know certainly a miracle had happened because again, you know, no detectable brainwave activity uh, when I because of the uh, the pulmonary pulmonary embolism and where I worked at the time there was construction going on. So by the time they could get me to the emergency room, get me intubated and all that stuff, a significant amount of time, I was purple by the time I got there, right? And so they, you know, inevitably there, you know, was brain damage. And so then brain death and there was nothing there. Which sometimes they behave in a way, I think maybe it did cause some damage, right? But, uh, but, but to that, the point I wanted to make on that was I didn't awake grateful with God. And I didn't awake ready to serve God. And I didn't awake, although I already knew him, I awoke even more angry with him and even more resentful at the time. I was much younger. I was just about 2001. So I was much, much, you know, very, very angry, very resentful and not at 
all appreciative of the fact of the miracle of the life, uh, you know, I was given again. So then to all these years later have lost our son. And I'll say this cautiously, to be grateful to God for that loss. Why cautiously? What dad, right, would say, I'm grateful to God that my son died, right? Let's dig a little bit deeper, you know, right, to what I'm saying, right? To be able to find the gratitude and the gratefulness to God, to be able to find that even in what seems to be the most horrible thing in the world. One thing that my wife and I talk about or have talked about is, so the worst thing that can happen to parents has already happened. And here we are. And we survived and, and, and all, you know, all the glory to God, you know, because to, you know, all the glory goes to God for that. You know, were it not for our faith in, in God and Jesus Christ, there's absolutely no way that we would have gone through that. You know, my wife, I remember her telling me, and this was probably six months after, after he passed. I remember her telling me that she was talking to God about how much it hurt. He told her the easy thing, the easy way is to stay in that bed, stay curled up, stay covered up, and keep crying. That's the easy way. Go for it. The hard way is get out like King David did, right? Once the son died, once the baby died. You get up and you take your you take your shower, you clothe, you bathe yourself, you anoint yourself, you change your robes, and you eat and you nurture yourself and you feed yourself, right? While he was here, all I could do was implore you, Father, but now he's gone. What can I do? Nothing other than what? Praise you. Other than praise you, other than give you glory, because for whatever reason, at this moment, I cannot understand. You've determined that this is good, you know. And if and if God had determined that it is good, then where is the wisdom in my wife and I calling this bad? There isn't, right? So that doesn't now that doesn't negate that it hurt. That doesn't negate that we would cry. That doesn't mean that we wouldn't have times when you know you're at the grocery store and just all of a sudden you just burst into tears. Certainly, those things happen. We're human beings. It's just that we could always find that comfort and understanding that even now you're good. There isn't sadness or lament in the loss of our son. There's missing him. There's that, you know, those moments where you wonder what would have been. But the comfort comes back into say, God called it good to call it home. And if God called it good to call him home, then my wife and I call God good for calling him home. When trouble comes, do you lean on yourself to solve your problems? While trust in the Lord, lean harder than you would on your own knowledge. God can be trusted in all areas of your life. That's why in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Why not call on God in prayer and asking? He will answer in his time. You need only to trust in him. Do you listen to the call of God? Because God speaks to you every day. Are you listening to the call? Sound is heard Only by